welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Woolley, who's probably already broken his New Year's resolution. <laughs> Have you? I don't know. Do you? Let me ask you this. I don't really set them. Because here's the thing. I, I don't have a New Year's resolution. I have a New Year's goal. And, and, and the difference is, is that there's something that I'm aspiring to do. And if I don't get there, it's not the end of the world, but I'm trying to move myself in that direction. Does that make sense? Yeah. In, in my spook alley of a brain, it realistic. makes sense. So yeah. I'll tell you what mine is right now. Okay. Um, I, I've had some friends. I'm to that age now where health is a concern. Yes. Like a, like a genuine health, like blood pressure, uh, colonoscopies, and stuff like that. And I've, I had a colonoscopy. The Night of a Thousand Waterfalls? Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. what they call it. Yeah, it was. And, and, and Mudslide. Everything good? <laughs> I don't know if you had to go there. I think we painted the picture pretty enough, and I think it we got It was not a strict- waterfall. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so- and to be honest with you, everything's good. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I don't like. I go to the gym. I he- eat pretty healthy, but other than that, I don't do. I don't do yearly checkups. I should. Why not? I, it's a pain in the neck. It's a pain in the neck. Yeah, and I'm also. You don't like doctors. I don't I know like you doctors. Don't. <laughs> and ignorance is bliss. I'm trying to get you to say that. Ignorance is bliss with me sometimes. And it, right now, it's, it's a constant fight with me. Like George Costanza. Yeah. If I don't go in, they won't find the cancer. Yes. Uh, but in a, in a weird way, yes. Yeah, that's the I don't want to know about it because there's not, you know, but I, I know that's just me being because I don't like doctors. So here, this is how it all came. Okay. Uh, during the holiday season, we go to my older brother's house. His name's Yancey. And uh, Yancey is um, a caretaker. He loves to do that. I mean, that's that's his jam. That's his bread and butter. Uh, he was the guy that showed up when I was in rehab for family classes. I mean, he was the one whose wife brought me all my clothes because I didn't know I was going to rehab. I mean, he's always been that for Likes me. Likes to take care of people. And, and then that's his love language. Yeah. And so I go in there, and everybody's sitting around this L-shaped couch, and they're all passing around uh blood pressure monitor (laughs) that he's got this new app on. So your family parties have changed over the years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it used to be a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a blood pressure cuff. You know what I mean? So that's pretty funny. Everybody's passing. We need a video of that. And, uh, you know, they're like, you should try it. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I go to the gym. They're like, you should just try it. I'm like, ah, I'm good. I don't, you know what I mean? My girlfriend looks at me like, come on. Yeah. You know? And And so I get everybody else to do it. And then I do it. Yeah. And sure enough, it's a little high. Yeah. I mean, it's not where I well, was. Do you remember? I don't. Okay. But I remember my brother then just spent the next half hour telling me why I should go. Yes, he wanted to take care of you. He wanted to take care of me. And so I go and uh, I, I don't get good sleep that night because I'm wondering. If, <laughs> and, and it's one of the reasons I don't like doctors. You know, yeah. ignorance is bliss. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Now you I have to mean? deal with it. Now I have to deal with it. So I think to myself, well, maybe that was just a fluke. You know what I mean? There was a little anxiety going on. Right. It was a party. Some pressure. I should peer probably, pressure. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and, and to perform it. So I just, you know what I mean? And, and so. So you went to Smith's and sat outside the thing with the thing in your arm and the thing? You're not wrong. Yeah. But guess what? I know, what? exactly. I, but guess what? I'm 50. I know what you're doing. But guess what? What? Smith doesn't have those anymore. I know. They right? took them out. I saw that this last yeah. week. So I walked in there and- I was going to check my blood pressure too. You know what I mean? I'm walking around. I'm like, hey, do you guys have that? And they go, no, we took those out a while ago. Yeah. And I was like, well, 
Nah. The funny thing is I work in an office and right outside my door there's the whole setup and yeah. I never I never use that when I always go to the Smiths. Yeah, and so I so I was like I was like, Well, now I've got it. I've got to do this. You know what I mean? And so uh, I was talking with the lovely Leslie, my girlfriend, and I was like, she was going to make a New Year's resolution. I go, no, but I am going to make a doctor's appointment. And I'm going to try to be proactive in my health. Because, I mean, in my mind, I think I'm still 27, you know. Right. Uh, You got the curls still? Yeah. But no one sees the baldness up top. You know what (laughs) I mean? But that's – but so I've got to start – doing that yeah. and, and be a little more proactive so did you in my make health. the doctor's appointment i haven't <laughs> but i'm going to yeah right. you know i wanted to get through the holiday season because when? right now when are you going to i will have an appointment by the next episode okay i promise you we ought to set it now because you're not going to get in anytime soon well i mean that's the thing is the flu covid rsv or is that something yeah oh. rsv yeah. yeah i mean that's i mean you go down there and you try to get nyquil you try to get any clue uh, flu or cold medicine actually it's off the charts right now we have three different types of flu in the state of utah that yeah. are wreaking havoc and my son just just, yeah, just got RSV's over he's got the er's packed with with kids and, my son yeah. had a cough of a 90 year old smoker for like two weeks yeah you know yep. it was like yeah. i was like is there a stranger in the house? No, that's just my son. Blah, blah, blah. Just yeah. like, whoa, man. So I, that's what I want to do. But I don't like resolutions in the sense that um, people will set them. And as soon as they break, they throw it out the window. Right. And, then, and, 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 and to bring that back to a recovery style podcast, you think of it this way, is that people try to get sober. Mm-hmm. They relapse. And so many do this in the recovery world where they go, well, I'm on it, so I might as well. And then they take it out for another run. They don't realize that they can next day just jump back on it and keep moving forward. I had a grad school professor who called it the Oreo cookie principle. Ooh, what does that mean? So he said that uh, you know people do this all or nothing thinking with behavior change, which is never really effective. He said so. What will happen is, uh, you, you know, you decide, okay, I, I'm overweight. I'm going to lose weight. Uh, I'm going to get rid of all the snacks in the house. Mm-hmm. So you go through the house and you, you clean it up and you get rid of all that stuff and you replace it with healthy food and you're doing great for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe a month goes by and you're you're feeling a little better and you're looking a little better and you're cleaning out the cupboard, looking for something and you find you missed a pack of Oreo cookies. It's sitting Double in the stuff. back. Double stuffs. Yeah, for sure. And you're like, well, I've been doing so good. Yeah. For so long, it's been a month, you know, I, I could have one Oreo cookie. Yeah. And so you, you, you kind of tempt yourself and you stare at the the pack for a few days and then you decide, okay, I'm going to do it and you have one. And then you realize, well, if I had one, I could have two because I've been really good. And then pretty soon you're like, you know what, I'm off my diet. I might as well just eat the whole bag. Yeah. And then you go right? through a sleeve. Yeah. And then you, you go through the whole thing. And uh, the, the reality is one of those Oreo cookies would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Even two. But a whole pack of Oreo cookies, not healthy, right? You and know, so that's that all or nothing thinking. We make one step off of the goal and we throw it all away. So you're right. You know, I was a pack and a half smoker for 15 years. Yeah, man. Crazy. Geez, yeah. Crazy. Uh, but I had quit, you know, during that, you know, 15, 20 years of smoking. I, I, I would quit for a year, two years, three years. And every time I got back into smoking, was one night, well, I can just have one. Ah, uh, yeah. And so then and, and I'd have one, and the next morning there would be a pack in my pocket. And I was like, how do I do that? So when I finally quit smoking, and it's the same thing with alcohol that I, that I now realize, is that no more. I'm not allowed to do that anymore because right. I know where it goes. I know enough about myself. I knew it back then about smoking. 
that if I had one... You knew it about smoking, but did you know it about yourself? No. No. See, that's that's the difference. Like we see, we see, we know everybody knows everything about smoking. Honestly, there's been enough education. It's on the packets of cigarettes. It's everywhere. It says if you smoke we, this, you are an idiot. Yeah, pretty much. And we all know it, but it's self knowledge that really helps us make real changes. Yeah. So I so I and so I did that with cigarettes, and that was fine. You know what I mean? And and I and I could do that with my alcohol too. You know, I mean, there was times during my active addiction of alcoholism that I would. Not drink. You'd for, go for long periods. Yeah, I mean, year, you know, or where it was just on the weekends, or it was this, but inevitably it would go back to where it was, right? A, a problem. Yeah. And so I know that now about myself, and we've talked mm-hmm. about this in other podcasts that I know that there's nothing in for me for one beer. That would be just a moronic choice to have one beer because I don't want one beer. I want twenty. You want all the beers? I want thirteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. I. I've never wanted just one beer right. because I didn't want beer for the beer taste, which I I, I grew to love. But I at first nobody likes the taste of beer. Right. You know what I mean? It's like coffee. <laughs> I mean, it's an acquired taste. But I didn't like one beer. I liked the effect of many. Right. And, and so, so that's that's valuable self-knowledge. So to bring that back around, but that's – so I think that's why I don't like resolutions because the word resolute, you know what I mean? I, 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 so do you feel like you have – like with something like drinking or smoking, stopping those I should say, um, it sounds like you've been able to be all in on that decision. Your self-knowledge has led you to a place where you're like, you know what? I know what I need to do for myself. So I have to be all in on that. But other things no, that maybe aren't as severe, it's harder to make that resolution because you're like, can I really commit to always going to the doctor every six months? Or can I really commit to always eating healthy? And so I think a lot of people either A, never set any goals for themselves because they feel like it always has to be all or nothing. Um, or B, when they do, they've had a, a series of fails, right? Because they'll set them. And then they they fail, and so then they're all out instead of all in. And and we're coming, we're at the time of year right now when uh, you were throwing some stats about gym memberships, yeah, where people make uh, you know New Year's resolutions. So what were you telling us uh, off air? So because of what I've done in my career, uh, you know, in advertising and TV and radio. The big push for the next year for any of the local gyms will be from now until uh, the middle of January. And they will probably sell 80 to 90% of their annual memberships during that time. So this is their time of year. If because they, everybody this is says, the time. this is the year. This is the right. year I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to make it through the holidays. I'm going to make it through New Year's. And then come January 1st. I'm going to go on that diet. I'm going to lose that weight. I'm going right. to lose these love handles, and I'm going to do it. Right. And so for the from now until about the middle of February, the gyms are packed. It's miserable because everybody's there trying to get themselves in shape. Now, and I say kudos to you guys. I mean, I I, I think it's wonderful, yeah. and and you will inevitable because I I go to the same gym and have so for years. You'll you'll see the difference. In, you'll see the difference. Yeah. Some will take, and then and, and they'll become part of the the gym culture, which it is a community and a culture. Like I see, I go to the gym and I'll see people that I see every day there, and they know me. They're like, "Hey, how are you?" I know their families, or right? Because you guys them. are the ones that always go. We're always there, yeah. you know. And then every once in a while, you'll get some new people in there that that they're stuck to their news resolutions. But come about mid February, it goes back to the same old gym. It's that fast, huh? It's that fast. Yeah. Because they don't, they didn't see the results, or they gave up on their diet, and then they just threw their hands in the air and said, "Ah, 
Next so, year. So, yeah. So, actually, uh, I'm familiar with some of those broader stats as well and all the different types of things and that people set New Year's resolutions about. And it is uh, within six weeks. So, exactly yeah. mid-February. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's more than 80% of people have gone back on whatever their New, New Year's resolution was. It doesn't really matter what what it was in this case gym or not drinking or eating better or reading books or getting sleep or whatever it is people are done and one of the best predictors mm-hmm. of failure not, not, I mean, which is not hard Josh to predict the, ears just pu- up. the best predictor of one of the one of the better predictors of failure is what do people do what's their mindset and their behavior before they start their new year's resolution if it's a binging mindset, they're going to fail probably before six weeks. And what I mean by that is like, even if you had sort of a benign New Year's resolution, like I'm not going to watch uh, TV as much as I, you know, now everybody, we have all these cool shows you can stream 24-7. Yeah. And uh, if you're like, I'm going to get all my shows in before January 1st, you know, you're binging shows. Or if it's eating, that's a big one. Like I'm going to eat it cheeseburgers every day until you know january 1st people who have a binge mentality you know like i want to get it in before you know like we've talked oh, about no, people I'm, are talking like, to a guy who's got a binge going to mentality going to rehab so i'm gonna get as wasted as possible before yeah. i go in you know that kind of thing i've got such a binge mentality that if we go down to my car right now there's a bag of Swedish fish that have two layers in the back that I've rolled up and thrown in the back so I can't reach them when I'm driving. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I believe so it. I will buy a bag of Swedish fish and I'll go, I'm just going to have a couple handfuls as we drive down here. And then I drive and I look at the bag. The bag looks at me. I look it's at the bag. Empty. The bag looks at me. And I'm like, I'm not going to finish another bag. So I ordered. So I, you have a bunch of half finished bags I, in the well, back? Well, no, because I'll get them when I, when I pull over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or that I'll reach back behind my seat and yeah. my kids will be like, hey, dad, there's like three bags of half eaten candy back here that I've forgotten about. You're like, oh. But if it's in front of me, on the side of me, I, I just know just that about it. me. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's self knowledge and that's, that's key. If you've set a New Year's resolution this year and you had that binge mentality, you're you're at high risk for not getting through. But I had I had a tip. Mm-hmm. I like to give tips. Yeah. People people want tips. Josh loves the tip. Well, here's the thing: setting a New Year's resolution the way we do culturally implies this all or nothing mentality, right? Mm-hmm. So you make one little mistake or you have one off day, and you're like, "Well, I might as well throw in the towel, and yeah. I'm just going to go back to my old ways," which most people do by February 15th. Mm-hmm. So you're setting your, your New Year's resolutions wrong. So how do we set them right? So first of all, I do like a change in language. And I like what you said, goals. Yeah. Because what we can do is we can break that down into outcome goals and process goals. That's a mistake that people, they never do that. Most people aren't educated on that. We don't talk about that. We just talk about setting a goal. So, for example, somebody right now uh, is going, I want to get rid of my love handles or I want to get a six pack or I want to do that. And that's their ultimate goal. Not realizing the process goals that go through that to get you there. Exactly. They, they, They go, well, I've been doing this for two months and my love handles are still there. Not realizing that that's a lifestyle change and then it might take you two years to get that right, off. It, right. It's not an instant fix. Right. We and and you know, our social media sells us instant fix to yeah. everything all the time. And of course, uh we all love magic. We'd love things to be magical and we'll pay a lot of money for the hope of magic. But but there's almost nothing in life that happens instantaneously that's worth anything. What's worthwhile is stuff that is 
work plus time. Yeah. Right. So you're right. So that's that's an example of like if you're like I want to hit a certain weight or I want to lose my love handles or whatever it is. I that's, want to see my feet in the shower. That's your. Yeah, there you go. That's your outcome goal. Uh-huh. All right. So that's okay. Go ahead and set that. But then realize there's a lot of space between where you're at now and that outcome goal. You need steps along the way. So the visualization might be there's a destination out there, but I need to put some stepping stones that I can follow to get myself there. And those are the process goals. So, for example, let's go back to the gym since we were talking about that. Uh And let's say a person says, Okay, I'm gonna. I want to lose. Uh, you know, I, I want to lose forty pounds. That's a lot of weight to lose. They want to lose forty pounds, and the get average rid of my person love, who works out handles. regularly will lose two to three pounds a week. Okay, perfect. That's so. The first thing with these outcome goals is: are they realistic? Do you know what you're talking about? Right. That's important. So you just gave some important information. If if I'm working out regularly, I can lose somewhere between two to three pounds a week. So if you have an expectation of losing 40 pounds in a month, you're wrong. Right. That's not going to happen. You maybe get eight to 10. So you might want to say to yourself, first of all. Am I setting a realistic outcome goal? Right. And that is like, does it make sense I could lose that much weight in this amount of time? And, and that's sometimes we have to consult with experts depending on, you know, what are, what are, you know, how much money can I save? That's another one. Mm-hmm. And people are often unrealistic about that. And it's like, well, let's do the math and figure out a realistic outcome goal. So first of all, outcome goals are, are important to set. You got to have a destination, mm-hmm. but it needs to be realistic. And you need to realize it's out there and I can get lost along the way. So I need some process steps or process goals to help me get there. And that's where sometimes it depends on what you're doing. Like uh, at the gym, either consult with a personal trainer or somebody who really does know what they're talking about on how to do it. For example, what's the biggest problem with working out until you lose your 40 pounds? Getting yourself there. Yeah, getting yourself there. Yeah. Right? So you might say, well, accountability buddy. Part of my, yeah, that was my number two. So, and let's do that one. Accountability buddies are essential. People who have accountability in, in trying to reach their outcome goals are so much more likely to make it. And so if you, you know, it's January, (laughs) it is crazy cold and dark early in the morning. Let's say you've decided, you know what? I'm going to get up early. I bought this gym membership. I'm going to go to the gym. I've set the time aside. And one thing leads to another the night before. You end up staying up later than you thought. You're pretty tired in the morning. The alarm goes off. And if there's nobody waiting in your driveway, honking the horn. Or waiting for you to pick them up. Or waiting for you to pick them up at their house. What are the chances are you're going to be like, well, I went yesterday. I can go tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Well, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's the first Oreo. And that's the first Oreo, exactly. And then it becomes two, three, and a whole pack. So you're right. Accountability partners, uh, and I'm going to do a personal one at the end of this. I wasn't wasn't planning on this, but I'm going to do it. Uh, But that's really, really important, accountability partners. So when you think about what you just described, okay, um, and we're using uh, the subject matter of working out and health. Right. Put addiction in there. It's the same process. Exactly. It's it's the same process. And another thing to that is when I talk to people who are in addiction or I talk to people who are getting ready to work out. Yeah. I tell them, look at yourself and, and not in a bad way, but realize how much time it took to get you to that situation. Right. 
You know what I mean? It was years, it, you know, whatever it was. I mean, it's been building up over time. Right. So the fact to think that's going to change in a month is unrealistic. Yeah, absolutely. So it's gonna. It took you a while to get here. It's gonna take you a while to get away from here. And right. so it is a process. And so that's what I really liked about your whole deal right there was the process goals. Those are the milestones. Those right. are the stepping stones that are going to get you to the ultimate goal. But you cannot skip those. You're not just going to run past those. Those are a right. part of the learning. That's part of the journey. It's part of the habit forming. It's it's all of the, the process. Right. And what you said about knowing yourself, that's how we set the process goals. Right. So two people who want to lose the same amount of weight, even if they've set a realistic outcome goal, their reasons for being overweight and their challenges uh, to the exercise, things that hold them back are probably different. And so if you're trying to just copy somebody else's formula, it's not likely to be that effective for you. And that's what we see in addiction recovery all the time. Everybody's journey is different. Right. And what do people come up to you? They always ask you. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And that's okay. I mean, that's, I mean, frankly, our show is built around telling other people what, what somebody has done, uh-huh. like what their journey has been to inspire you. But ultimately you have to decide you know, what, what do I need to do? What, what's holding me back? Cause that's how I set personal process steps to get me to that outcome. Cause a lot of outcomes, like if we were to say being in sobriety, be, being in recovery, being a sober person, like so many awesome people who've been on our show are. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's sitting there and they're like, that's who I want to be. The, 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 without personal insight, you're going to try other people's paths and it's going to lead you in a different direction, right? But you're also going to find things that along their path that do work for you, that do make sense, that somebody's if, blazed the trail ahead of you. And that's why yeah. you talked about going to a gym. Talk to a personal trainer. Right. Talk to somebody who knows more about this than you do. You know what I mean? Just because you watched Arnold Schwarzenegger's DVD doesn't mean <laughs> that you're automatically going to be a, a right. weightlifter. Right. You know what I mean? Those are things that work for him. And so, yeah, I mean, there is some information out there, but know your limits. Know you know a, what you don't know. A good example is, so I, I talk with people about behavior change all the time in a lot of different contexts. And one of the things that I come back to, if you've ever worked with me, you know this is annoying. I, I almost always ask, you know, when we're talking about behavior change, what time do you normally go to bed? Because anything good that you're going to do today started last night when you went to bed. Right. Do you have a problem getting yourself to sleep at a good time because you need energy and focus to be able to accomplish whatever behavior change you want. And so a lot of times people who are like, well, I started off the year going to the gym and now it's February, March and I'm not going anymore. It's hard to get up and get going. The question isn't why aren't you going to the gym? It's what time did you go to bed last night? So now that may not apply to everybody, but that's an example of it's common. So we don't need to recreate the wheel, but you need to ask yourself. Some people say, oh no, I'm great at that. Say, okay, then there are other things that are holding you back from going to the gym. We need to find out what those are. Well, it's like they taught me in the fraternity. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I'm glad you got something out of that fraternity. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can also bounce a quarter into a glass nine times, ten say, times. You, I know you learned a lot of cool skills yeah, there, but, but I'm glad, but, but that's, but that's I'm glad the thing. we can mention one of them on the show. So, I mean, that was a long way of getting to the point. It was like, hey, look, give yourself some time. Set yourself up for some realistic goals. Right. And don't give up because you broke once. 
Right. Don't give up. Ditch that all or nothing mentality. Um, a journey from A to B is not linear. It's not straight. It's all over the place. There's steps forward and steps backwards. Ultimately, if that goal is important to you, you're going to get there if you're thoughtful about it. Thoughtfulness starts with self-reflection. Like, mm-hmm. do I know myself? Do I know why this issue is a problem for me? Do I know what's holding me back? Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm a big believer in consulting with experts. Yes. You know, and sometimes it's an expert you pay for and you make an appointment, you go in. Sometimes look around you. There are, we have a lot of experts in life uh, that we know that are friends, family, neighbors, uh, coworkers, people that are doing things that you want to do. And uh, examples. Some, yeah, they're not just good examples, but they also have good advice. But I think that's what makes our podcast so powerful um, is that the fact that we get people on here that uh, when we first introduce you to them on the podcast, we talk about their early childhood. And then we talk about the messiness that is addiction. And sometimes, just last week, we had a guy that shot a guy twice. Right. Went to prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, 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 and And now he's doing all these wonderful oh, amazing things. Amazing stuff. And so what we're showing you is, is that you're not defined by your mistakes. Your lows don't have to be your constant. They don't have to be your always. You can figure out a way. Yeah. And these here's an example of four years of people who have overcome the, some of the darkest things in their life and are now doing wonderful things. Yeah. Oh, it's. I think you and I both feel the same way. We feel uplifted and inspired every week because you get to see that journey. The problem is when we talk about behavior change we're not at the end of that journey yet we have we can't feel inspired by our own journey yet uh-huh. and so it's important to to reach out to others get counseling support advice from other people so that you're not recreating the wheel and making mistakes that you don't need to make but also that it can be based on your own personal needs so whether it is something like that's a big steep mountain like addiction recovery or maybe it's just like i 10 feel or 15 like, pounds yeah 10 or 15 pounds or I feel like a dummy because I haven't read a real book in five years or whatever your 20. goal is. 20. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're just books. But the the goal is, like, do I know myself? Am I willing to reach out and, and get some support from others? Including, you know, we talk about accountability partners to get you to the gym. But I will tell you, every time I've ever talked to somebody who says to me uh, they're doing the AA program or a 12-step program, I always ask them, who's your sponsor? And if they don't have a sponsor, I'm very worried about their ability to be successful because sponsors are part of that accountability touchstone. And that's somebody to reach out to. I know you keep looking at your computer and it's something that I keep I keep doing even uh, four years past my uh, exit from recovery. Yeah. I mean, or the rehab center. Yeah. And and it's uh, meditation. Oh, right. I have something pulled up here on my computer about meditation. And I think meditation would be a great goal for the new year just to give it a shot. There is so much wonderful information coming out about meditation and what it can do. And I talked to people so many times. It was like, I just can't do it. It doesn't make sense. And I was like that until probably the 21st day that I went, something clicked. And I was like, you know what? I do this and like I I will find myself waking up in the middle of the night with a, a panic attack and I will go into breathing right and and, and, and get me into a, a, a slower Zen and, and just go right and it, and it brings me back and, and it, I so I, I want to hear some of your information okay well I'm glad you're still doing that I will say that um, one of the things to keep in mind is that 
there there are now available to us as, as uh, you know people living in America uh, because it's been it's been common in the eastern part of the world for a long time. It's now such a common thing. We have so many different types of things that fall under that umbrella of meditation and mindfulness that are helpful to us. So when a person says to me, oh, I, I can't sit still that long, I can't you know, concentrate that long, there are other options. So uh, there, there's really, you can find a type of meditation or mindfulness that feels like a good fit to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully we're dispelling the old stereotype of meditation means you're sitting with your legs crossed like a yogi and all you're wearing beads and you're doing all these things. And if that's your jam, that's great. Or some hippies blowing smoke in your face. Yeah, yeah. It's Tell been associated with, with which, that kind which of stuff. A mantra works. A mantra is an amazing thing. Yeah. But it just got such a stereotype. And so this right. kind of this hippie chic thing that's like, nah, man, that's not me, man. I'm not that guy. Right, exactly. But, so and I, I don't think I was try. that guy. Turns out I'm that guy. So that type of meditation <laughs> I think uh, that we're referring to is typically transcendental meditation. Yeah. And I like transcendental meditation. In fact, that's what I've told the story, so I won't go through the whole thing, but that's what changed my mind about this idea because I had that stereotype. Even as a graduate school student in psychology getting a doctorate, I thought that was just kind of hippie stuff and it wasn't real science. You're but, a statistics numbers guy. Yeah. And in fact, most people don't know this about me. I don't think when I went to graduate school in clinical psychology, I wasn't really interested in therapy. Like being a therapist was not my goal. Uh, in fact, it wasn't really a, a much of an interest of mine. My interest was neuroscience and how the brain works. And I, I thought I would do some other things. It turns out I really like being a therapist. And so that's probably the majority of what I do. But when I was there, I heard about meditation uh, one day from a person that was lecturing for us. And I thought, well, that's nonsense. He looks like a hippie. He sounds like a hippie. Smells like a hippie. Yeah, probably. Patchouli. And so, patchouli, right? So, <laughs> so I was like, I wasn't interested. But as a professor here at the University of Utah, I've been uh, have the opportunity to review research, and they kept coming up with these journal articles that said prefrontal cortex density increases with eight weeks of transcendental meditation. And I saw replications of these studies, and I started thinking, now, wait a second, what's going on? So that means they can use a functional MRI to measure how dense the prefrontal cortex of your brain is. That means how well connected all those neurons are. Are they myelinated? Are they connected? Do we have deer trails in my head or superhighways? What's going on? And they can measure an increase or decrease of that. It's one way to detect how severe something like dementia might be because a person's brain is deteriorating. And as a person grows and learns, your density should increase. And the prefrontal cortex, your forehead area, Mm -hmm. that's our judgment, reason, foresight, problem solving, all that real human behavior and they were saying it was getting thicker yeah and what that means to me is that's like somebody going to the gym and working out and you can see their muscles getting bigger it's the same principle so i thought well how could that be that's hippie nonsense right yeah well turns out meditation is a real actual physiological workout for your brain if you want to be better at concentrating if you want to have a, a calmer mind, a stronger way of thinking. If you want to be able to be good at problem solving, less reactionary, less impulsive. Grab a pebble out of some guy's hand. There you go. Then that's exactly what you need to be doing is, is decreasing. So everything we do in behavior change requires a lot of hard work. 
Mm -hmm. if your brain's operating at the best level it can, then you're going to be more successful at that. So there's a research study that came up uh, recently, just as in the last month, and uh, you can find this in uh, clinical psychiatry news okay. is is a report I don't think about I've one yet yeah you probably haven't but it's 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 a report about research so you can it's it's the the research was published in JAMA Journal of American Medical Association sure and what they did is they said hey let's do an interesting fun study okay. this is what's fun about science okay. people so you think you think uh, the guys doing the science are no fun but they're they're fun in their own nerdy way and so to, to you know some people are sitting around they're like hey what if we did a study where we compared um, mindfulness-based stress reduction techniques. So that's a combination of, of meditation and mindfulness activities. What if we, do, what if we put that head-to-head, battle of the century, battle royale, we did MBSR, mindfulness, versus medicine, Whoa. actual drugs, citalopram, which many of our listeners may be on, to help with their anxiety. What would, who would win in that battle? Two men enter, one man leave. Exactly. What they found was... What? It was a tie. What? That's right. There's not a tie in fighting. There is. It's like soccer. But... (laughs) That was good. (laughs) That was my World Cup reference. Yeah. But um, I think this is blowing people away, actually. People that are looking at this study, they're like, hold on a second. Anxiety, which is a very physiological thing. You mentioned just a minute ago waking up in the middle of the night with a panic attack. Oh, yeah. That's physical, right? Oh, yeah. Where do you feel it? Right here in my chest, in my heart, and in my brain, everywhere. And it feels like you're having a heart attack. Yeah, I want to get out of my skin as fast as possible. It's as physiological and as uncomfortable as can be. And in fact, a buddy of mine who has been an ER doc for a real long time says sometimes it takes us a little while to figure out the person's not having a heart attack when they're having a panic attack. That's how physiological it is. And there's a lot of people out there who right now aren't a big fan of medicine. Right. So what we're saying is, well, what are what are some alternatives to medicine? And so that's what this study did. And what this study found out was that they are about equally uh, effective uh, to use. So what does that tell us? Well, if you went out and worked with an expert who could help you learn how to do mindfulness-based stress reduction using meditation and mindfulness techniques, and you did the work, you're, you're likely to have the same positive results that you might get from this particular drug, which is a very common one. Citalopram. Zoloft? Are we talking C- Zoloft? Citalopram. Okay. Yeah. So that's a very common medication for anxiety and mood-related issues, and a lot of my patients are on it. And uh, that also explains why when you add cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness techniques, uh, the outcomes for people who have anxiety uh, go through the roof. They're much, much better. So, what I love about this is that, you know, and, and we've been all over the place, but we're talking about working out in the gym to build your physique, your muscles and all that stuff. Right. But the brain is one that we don't often do. And especially after college, you know what I mean? We, we don't really do much anymore. Right. We kind of just put ourselves on autopilot, but everything we've learned and done that and, and we kind of stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? We know what we know and we know what we don't know and, and we're cool with that. We sort of get into take care of business of life mode, right? Yeah. Get to pay the bills and go to work and deal with relationships and all those things. And we kind of stop doing a lot of that, you know, um, mental exercise. But mental exercise, that's the word I'm looking yep. for. And so this sounds like a great way to get yourself back into shape. So whether you want to learn transcendental meditation, which I would recommend. And so back to my story. So I decided, you know what? 
if these studies are showing that this works, I'm not just going to take their word for it. I looked up and there are a few places in town where you can go get training. And for nine weeks, I did the TM training. Did you? Yeah. No, I, I paid the money and did the thing and got taught by an expert. And it, it's been one of the greatest things I've done for myself as an adult. And uh, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'll forget for days or even a few weeks at a time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I more frustrated? Why am I more reactive? Why am I more stressed? Oh, I haven't been doing my meditation. And every single time that I get back into the habit of meditation, so again, trying to ditch the all or nothing mindset, if we're out of it, let's get back into it. It's always been beneficial to me. So I personally recognize the benefits of it. And I can tell you from working with my patients, uh, I recognize the benefits. Now, not everybody is like me. I can sit still for a long period of time. I do it professionally. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't have ADHD. It's easier for me to concentrate, but there are other mindfulness and mindfulness is a little bit like active meditation Okay, where you're doing things to bring your attention into the moment. Um, we've even had, um, uh, people come on the show and talk about you know taking ice baths as a way to mindfully pull your attention. I spent in. five minutes in a a tub of ice. Right. And I was like in my head. I was doing it for TV. I was like, I'm going to do 30 seconds and I'm bouncing. And then I got in there and I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm doing this. And so what? How did it? How did it affect how your your mind felt? It proved to myself once again I can do hard things. Right. Uh, they they taught me the Wim Hof breathing and right. put myself in the right mood, and I think that helped me get into it because there was some preparation that I went into. Right. So just the, doing just it without jumping in and doing it, which you know? is kind of a theme of of what we're talking about today is allow experts to train you. Yeah. You're going to be more successful in whatever your goals are. Um, so yeah, there are lots of different ways to create a meditation experience for yourself. It doesn't have to be that traditional transcendental sit down, do the mantra for 20 minutes kind yeah. of thing. There are a lot of there are things that are more active and uh, mindfulness based stress reduction. If you want to, if you're curious, look up people in town that are certified and, and go talk with them about it, but well, look for the certification yeah, yeah, and you talk want, to people, Yeah, people that, or, or there are a lot of therapists that are trained in that as well. Yeah. So I would look into that, but I'm going to come back to my own accountability. So you brought that up. It took me off guard a little bit at the beginning. Like, you know, have you already violated your New Year's resolution? And I hadn't really thought of it as a New Year's resolution because I started it a month ago. Um, But the truth is I am uncomfortably overweight for myself. I don't really like how overweight I am and I don't have the stamina that I used to. I'm now 51 years old uh, and not too many years ago, I was running uh, four or five days a week. Yeah. And to, to motivate myself. Uh, which is I, a form of meditation. Which there is definitely meditation in running. Absolutely. And uh, I had, uh, you know, to, to make myself work for something, I had set up, you know, entering these little half marathon races that people do, you know, just to kind of give myself a goal and, and you know, and. You know, yeah, I got a focal a, point. yeah, something to do, right? To work for. And I realized, you know, uh, going through my own divorce um, and some of those life changes that were stressful, I got out of the habit of taking care of myself. The one thing I, I never really got out of the habit of was meditation. I think that helped me a lot during my divorce time and afterwards. Um, but I did get out of the habit of exercising. So, you know, what I did is I looked in my closet and I found my old running shoes Mm -hmm. and I I went for a little walk run 
and I got blisters because they were so old and crappy. So I treated myself to a new pair of running shoes, and that has been what I've been getting back into. So I hadn't really thought of it as a New Year's resolution, but it's happening around this time of year. And uh, I went ahead and signed up for a half marathon, and I'm, I'm going to do that in six months. So, th- so there you go. I just, I the, just made I just made you my accountability partner. I'll be at the finish line for you. Okay. I, yep. That, With chocolate milk. For some reason, they give you chocolate milk. I they, ran a couple do. half marathons. They do. I don't. Yeah. I, I'd rather just have water. But they give you yeah. banana and chocolate the, the milk. Banana's good. Yeah. yeah. yeah and they have the the creamies. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are good if yeah. it's if it's a hot day. You got to carb load the night before <laughs> spaghetti. I carb load every day, man. I don't. <laughs> I don't need to carb load the night before. I need to not carb load. Well, let's put it this way. Thank you for stopping by and listening to another episode of Project Recovery, and we're committed uh, as a resolution to do another year of this and. And we will do this as long as you allow us to, and as as long as you guys will listen. And I want to say thanks, of course, to you for uh, being an addict. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Because if it wasn't for your alcoholism, Casey. No, but seriously, I want to thank you for being a good friend. All these years, you've given me a lot of fun opportunities. Granted, they're all unpaid gigs, but <laughs> but, but a lot of fun opportunities to be, do radio and TV and podcasting with you, and your friendship means a lot to me. I love you, buddy. I also want to thank our good pal, Josh. I'm not sure Josh wanted to be our friend, because no. I, think, I think he feels like he's been forced yeah. into this uh, trinity, but, but I, I love Josh, and we couldn't make this show sound as pretty as we do without Josh. Yeah, thank and, you, Josh. Uh, he's integral, even though uh, we don't really want him to talk on the air that much. And know. if you're ever on Tinder and you come across his picture, <laughs> swipe right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sexy Josh. Uh, and in case you forgot, Project Recovery is what? It's a KSL podcast. He looks like sexy Jesus. He does. of this program are for informational purposes only. The program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, licensed therapist, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. KSL does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on the program. Reliance on any information provided on the program is solely at your own risk.